Last time, we talked about the history of carousels, but as you well may know, there are still carousels around today. They can be found not just at carnivals and theme parks, but at zoos and city parks all over the country. Today, we're going to the world's largest carousel manufacturer to see what it takes to build a carousel and explore how carousels have evolved and will continue to change into the future. Join me as we visit the Carousel Works in Mansfield, Ohio. Welcome to On Display Podcast, the podcast in which we explore the design, construction, and operation of exhibits and attractions at theme parks, zoos, museums, and beyond, and celebrate what makes them special to the visitor experience. I am your host, Nicole. I look forward to having you along with me on this special behind-the-behind-the-scenes journey. Today is May 5th, 2017. Before we dive in, I have just one quick correction. In last week's episode, I incorrectly stated that the flying horse carousels were manufactured in the 17th century. They were, in fact, manufactured in the 19th century. Apologies for the confusion. And now let's get started. Today's episode was recorded on location at the Carousel Works Workshop in Mansfield, Ohio. Welcome to On Display Podcast. Today I'm here with Art at Carousel Works in Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Art. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Art Ritchie. I'm one of the co-founders of the Carousel Works with my partner, Dan Jones. And we started um, 31 years, 32 years ago. So what prompted you guys to found Carousel Works? Well, I've been carving since 19, professionally carving since 1973. And... Doing, doing a craft that nobody else really does anymore. It's, you know, what do you do that somebody wants to buy? And I made signs in 18th century furniture, high boys, low boys, that, you know, mahogany and walnut kind of furniture. Um, this is way before the internet. So it was a matter of just going around to where people would actually walk through your shop and see something and say, I would like one of those. And I started doing it on my own when my first daughter was born. I started carving carousel figures, just I made a carousel rocking horse. And a couple of people saw them and said, well, can you build this? And I'd give them the price for it, and they couldn't get their hand into their pocket and the deposit down. Because, you know, an antique figure, the first one was a rabbit, like a carousel rabbit. And they were selling at that time for probably about $8,000. He says, how much to make one of these? And I said, I don't know, about $1,800. And he literally could not get the, he wanted something in his living room that looked like that. He didn't care if it was old or not. Which is the same thing with the furniture. You can do a, you know, you can do a high boy from, you know, an antique high boy. You're talking one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars, and a reproduction is four or five thousand dollars. And the people want to see it, but they don't have the money to pay for that. And that's what essentially all the reproductions are for. It's just that class of people. Some people can afford it, and some people can go to Williamsburg and wait five years for them to make one by hand. And then there's a market for everything else. It was the same thing with the carousel figures. And as I did more carousel, the more I did, the more people saw them, the more people wanted them. And people kept saying, too bad you can't build a carousel anymore. I started looking at it, and it, there was nothing in there that we couldn't build. If you can build a space shuttle, you can build a carousel. It was just a matter of reinventing the wheel. Old old carousels, antique carousel, which is, at that time, there were about two, 200 left in the country. When they went up to auction, they would sell anywhere from 
450000 to $700,000. Then you had to pay a company anywhere from 200000 to $400,000 to restore it. Then you had transportation costs and everything else. The only other alternative was to buy a fiberglass carousel, which at the time was averaging about $175,000. So there was a $300,000 gap in there that we figured we could just kind of stick ourselves in and feed it. So we started, we started Carousel Works. I was doing all the new carving. Dan was doing the restoration on the old ones. The only way to really learn how to do it is to take some old ones and tear them apart and fix them and figure out how it was going to work. And we both had enough mechanical engineering ideas where we could figure it out. It was it's fairly simple. It's very subtly difficult, but once you once you just you just go by the way the old ones were done, and then slowly but surely you learn why they did certain things. We ended up doing eleven major restorations: Central Park in New York, the one in um, Santa Monica Pier that was in the Sting, and we you know we've done quite a few like that, and we've done whole sets of figures, carved whole sets of figures for old carousel, old frames, and we've done new frames for old figures. But nobody would pull a trigger on having a whole new carousel done. It just got to be one of those things. Like every, all the parts were there. We did a bunch of little mistakes. Instead of trying to do one, we're going to build a brand new carousel. And making a half a million dollar mistake, we only made $2,000 mistakes. So they were easy to fix. Boy, they are all up and running. They are running fine. So we knew all the strategies we used were, were good. And then finally in 19, we started in, we started in 86. Finally in 1995, we got one comes uh, the um, Fort Wayne Children's Zoo. He came to us and he was building a new Asian exhibit, and he wanted an Asian. He had he had bought he had bought, he had rented an antique small antique carnival carousel for a year to see if it worked. And so now he wanted to have an Asian an Asian carousel. We had spent all this time building all these horses and getting ready to build traditional carousels. The first one who wants to buy a carousel wants orangutans and rhinos and tapers and snow leopards. <laughs> But he, he was willing to pay for it, so we spent the next year building that. And then that grew. Then another then the Atlanta Zoo bought one, and as, as it grew, what they found out was it was, edu- it was an educational exhibit because people could actually see the animals and get some experience on them without having to look through a cage. They could actually touch them, and it made them money on top of it. And they had donors to pay for the thing, so it, it just sprung it. From there, we started doing an average of two a year. All made by hand? Mm-hmm. All made by hand, the whole frame, the only thing, you know, everything is done here in shop. We just need a pad to put it on when we get there. We build all the, the frame, all the gears, everything's our design, which essentially it's not really our design. It's a copy of, it's, it's, it's copies of the old one, the things that worked really good. You've got them that are 70, 80 years old, and you can see the gears are worn out, so let's make the gears bigger. And the big frame, the umbrella frame that holds the whole thing up, the old, the old beams are all bent and twisted because they just weren't strong enough. You know, they held up fine. They're, they're, you know, they're 70, 80 years old, but we, it's a lot easier just to build them, build them out of, you know, a little bit stronger materials. The bearings that the whole carousel runs on, they use, you know, three or four inch bearings. We use a 10 inch bearing, which is good for 300,000 pounds. And the whole carousel loaded only weighs 40,000 pounds because we understand people do maintenance when they absolutely have to. So now I don't have to worry about it. But we just overbuild everything. Just to, you know, it's an old traditional way of doing things. But you know, if two times the the strength you need works, then four times going to work a lot better. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't add a lot to the price. The difference between the two bearings is probably a hundred dollars for you know a four hundred thousand dollar project. It's it's ridiculous not to do it. So, what do you think makes carousels so appealing to people? That's the big question. It's it's a fascination 
because it appeals to everybody. We found out so far it appeals to everybody but boys from 12 to about 16, and they're too cool. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they meet girls, and girls like to ride carousels, so all of a sudden carousels become good at it. <laughs> People who will go there because they remember what they did when they were a child, and they can see they can see it in their grandkids' eyes or their children's eyes, or they're using their children as an excuse to go ride it again, because <laughs> you'll see mothers on there with six-month-old babies who no one on earth wants to be on this big ugly thing that's going up and down but mom's having a ball <laughs> and it's it's just a, it's a it's a it's a, a kinetic sculpture you know it's amazing to see something that big start up and start moving around but it's it, it's the easiest way it's just this total fascination in you know seven different levels you know how's it doing that because people sit and look at the figures when they come when they're standing at the outside of the gate and I want to ride that figure, and then I want to ride this one, and I like that one. With the, and then they get on the carousel; they're not even thinking of that anymore. They're looking about where's Aunt Mary, where's Grandma, and the, you know, how does that thing go up and down? How is that connected to that? So there's two different kinds of thinking on it. But we've sit, I've sat for hours and just watched people and how they reacted to it, and they all react about the same way. So it like brings people together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got one. We've got one in Des Moines, Iowa, and it was in a park that was the worst park in town. It was essentially the drug den bend of, of Des Moines, and they had a swimming pool. And when you went to the swimming pool, you took your kids' hands, you walked them into the gate of the swimming pool, and then you let them go. And when you were done, you put grabbed their hands and walked them over to the car. You did not hang around the park. They put the carousel there. And it's a beautiful park. It's got a big lawn that goes down to the river, and they essentially turned it around. It's one of the best parks in town now. People are out there picnicking, playing all you know on the weekends, and it's it's really worked. It's an anchor. It brings people around. Everything every time Dare has a program, they do it there. You know, it's things like that. It's just an excuse to be be someplace. So let's say that a client walks in right now and says, "We want to build a carousel for our town." What was what's the process for building a carousel from scratch? It's kind of like buying a bouquet of flowers. There's different price levels. Carousels cut up into slices of a pie, and they're usually even numbers. We can do them in odd numbers too, but in a smaller one, if you're going to be in a small area, you, we have a 12 section that has 12 slices of the pie with anywhere from two to three figures in each slice. So it would have 30 figures plus two chariots, two benches to ride on. Then the next one's 14 section, and then it goes 16. And then we, and once we get to 16, we can put three rows or four rows. And then there's 18 with four rows. You know, it can be. And we've got one that's 22 sections, four rows for the for the zoo in Chicago. And it's just it's probably the biggest one anybody's built. Remember, it's the biggest one that's ever been built. That actually is a carousel, and it's just fitting it to the population. You don't want it to be empty all day long, but you also don't want a line going around the thing all day long. So it's a matter of balancing how many people are going to see it. The one in the one in Chicago, and we did one in the Bronx Zoo. The Bronx Zoo gets three million people a year, and so does the the zoo in Chicago. And they can put 70 or 80 people on it at one time. With 300,000 people a year, they run half a million people on it at $3 a piece. So they're very happy with us. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they found. We, I've had two or three zoo directors tell me that, that we essentially pay all their ugly bills. They can get donors for a new lion exhibit or for a new African exhibit or an Asian exhibit. The donors are out there. But donors for the electric bill or the insurance, they're not, I mean, what we do, we don't have, they don't have to run fundraisers. The carousel is its own little fundraiser, and it just keeps paying every year. So, oh, the client comes in and says, maybe we want a carousel that's 16 yeah. slices. Yeah. So, what what would you do from there? 
Then we just, what type of figures you want on it. Our problem right now is we have too many figures. It's, it's kind of overwhelming to people. Mm-hmm. And what I always recommend is do a horse, do it. every other one be a horse, and then pick out some animals that go on the other side. And also, it's, it, they get donors to, to donate for each figure. Instead, they get a big donor to pay for the whole project, and then they get donors to pay for each figure. You know, you pick out, you want a turtle on this row, and there's a man with a you know, $25,000 check who really wants a white tiger, say yes to the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's a fluid it's a fluid operation. Everything doesn't have to be nailed down. We're doing one right now in Greensboro, North Carolina, and it's the Rotary Club of Greensboro buying it for their 100th anniversary and donating it to the Science Center. And so the Science Center is building, is expanding into more of a zoo. And so they're picking out all the animals they have in the zoo the kids can go ride. And then we have we have horses that are going to be, there's going to be a Rotary Club horse. And uh, one, of, one of the board members' friends is into horse racing. And they know, um, I think it's Aladar, one of the Kentucky Derby winners back in 75. They know the jockey. So they're donating a horse and it's going to be, it's going to be the race horse and its colors. So they come all different, from all different directions and all different types. And it's just a matter, it's, it's a matter of accommodating everybody. You know, what we're doing now is they used to be, it used to be kept very quiet. They're building a carousel. Who's building it? Tom can't afford to build buy a, buy a merry-go-round. We need to have this. We need to have that. And so what we've done is we've built a Facebook. There's the, the ones for Greensboro's out already. We haven't started building it. It's just a, the Rotary Club of Greensboro carousel. And as we build the carousel, every two days we're going to upgrade. We're doing this. Here's, they're carving, they're carving the, the, the turtle or they're carving the horse. And people can actually see the thing brought along. That they also see that the donors are paying for it, and it gets more involvement. The more people are involved in it, more people have ownership of it. The easier it's going to be to open. And we've done since 1995. They're opening the 60th carousel next week in Stamford, Connecticut. So. Every carousel you make is unique to the buyer, correct? Yeah, so. the figures are the fig. I mean, it, all the figures are different. We can take the same horse and we can do it in different colors. And the, the side of the horse is left. That's where carving comes in a lot better than fiberglass molds. Is we can design the horse. We have you know like a flowered horse, and mm-hmm. we've got you know we've had other ones in the zoo. We had a problem with the the bug people wanted a carousel. You know, we let they let the different part departments pick out, and everybody wanted butterflies. And a butterfly doesn't really work good as a mm-hmm. as a carousel. But then my it, it takes kids. My granddaughter's sitting there going, "Well, why don't we? You know how you make the flowered horses with all the flowers all over his head and his body." He says, why don't we just make one with butterflies all over it? You know, it's one of those stupid things nobody <laughs> thought about. Now we have a butterfly horse. And there's another one they just figured out last time, the one is the carousel in Cincinnati. The carousel horses all have names of standers and jumpers and prancers. And a horse with his head sticking up in the air is called a stargazer. And they have a planetarium. And they wanted a horse for that. And what, one, what, it, what we did was they carved the horse. And for the saddle and the thing, they made clouds and a moon. And... Ashley, one of our painters, painted a blue horse with constellations on it. So the stargazer became a stargazer. And it's getting to be everybody who's talking about new figures wants one. One of the donors, one of the donors we have in, in California is looking at, I'll donate that horse if I can have the constellations that match my kid's um, zodiac sign. And so you did, you know, okay, that's, we're going to do it anyway. But it's, it's become a very popular, it's one of those things that's totally abstract. The biggest problem I have with carousel is you go to a meeting with the board of directors and, you know, they're spending, just on the carousel, spending somewhere between four hundred and $800,000. And this becomes real serious, but it's a carousel. You know, if you're not laughing and having fun while you're designing a carousel, when are you going to? And they get real serious about it because they're all worried about what people are going to think. And I keep, I have, I have a slideshow and I show in about every fifth slide, 
I have a eight-year-old sitting on a carousel with a big sign on it. This is your customer. You know, you don't, I don't worry about what the antique people think or what the townspeople think. They're not going to come and ride the thing. It's families and kids. If you don't make them happy, you know, that's because they never had a dinosaur on a carousel before because nobody was interested in dinosaurs back in the 20s. Now they are. You know, so you want, that's what, I want to ride that one. Now I don't want to ride that one. You want a whole bunch of different things. So they see Disney's carousel. It's all white horses. And that's what we want. Disney, you know, they see, well, that's all Prince Charming's charges. No, that's not why they did it. They did it because you've already paid your bill. You've already paid for all the rides. And so get on the carousel, ride it once, get off and go to the next one. So we have three sales places in between it. We can sell you something. And it's a whole different world. We want people to stay there and ride two or three times. So you want different things that get people's attention, not the same thing over and over again. And that's where all our animals come in good because you, know, you can ride on dinosaur. We've got snakes. We've got a log that's got snakes wrapped around <laughs> it. And that's back to the, the seven, eight-year-old boys. They know that's going to gross their mother out. So they got to go ride that one. You know, just more, not so much that they like the snakes. They know it's going to drive their mother crazy. It's a challenge. Yeah, I can get her to squirm and hook and ew. Aww. She's got to stand there with me and I'm going to sit there and ride that thing. <laughs> but that's part of the fun. You know, that's the thing they remember. I had a lady came, um, we had a, we had a tour for the National Carousel Society. A lady came in and we have one here in town. And her daughter was like four years old when we opened it. And that was her favorite place. All the birthdays were there every time she, and she just graduated from college. And on the way home from college, from the graduation, going to the party, she had to stop and ride the carousel for good luck. Because that's what she's done all her life. And you don't hear, you know, you never hear those things. You hear the, the things that happen all the time and this did good and this did good and it helped this park and we helped the community but you never hear those little stories so now we're starting to dig for those because they're they're out there it's amazing what, what people actually hear the one we did in des moines iowa they had a news broadcast the thing was opening and a lady 40 miles away was in the nursing home 99 years old her birthday was in two weeks they're going to give Flo, florence we're going to give you anything you want for your birthday. what do you want to do she wanted to go ride the giraffe and they brought her there and the volunteer fire department came and they got a 100-year-old lady up on a giraffe so she could ride the giraffe. And I had an old TV broadcast. Of, they, they, the, the, new, the news department did a TV. It was, it was a really bad one. I've got to find another one. Because, I mean, that's what she wanted for her birthday. She saw it on the news, and that's what she was going to do. She was going to ride that giraffe. But it's all those little stories we have. We're, now we're starting to dig up and starting to promote more. Than, you know, it's, just, it's just kind of thing. We did one carousel in Pennsylvania, and it was for an amusement park. They took the old one down. We built a new one. And the paintings, what we do is the, the figures are the figures, and we can do armored horses and cowboy horses, and we do a lot of college steam horses, Ohio State horses and Michigan horses. Not on the same carousel, though, correct? No, no. Okay. No. <laughs> we, we've got one up in, in Michigan that's got, it's got Michigan horses, except when you look at the, the bottom of the hoof of the Michigan horse, it's got a crushed buckeye sitting on it. <laughs> you know, little things. That's, the, that's exactly the response you want. You want those kind of things. But we did, the old amusement parks used to have a big band shell, a dance hall. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, they'd have all the big bands would come through there. They're on a regular tour and they'd stop there. Well, the one we were doing this for had, the, the dance hall had two turrets on the sides. And we're sitting there, we're working, and all the old people from town were coming by to see what we were doing. And they started talking about, and they said, we're doing these paintings, we're going to do the band And he says, you see that turret up there? That's on Friday nights. That's where everybody going neck. <laughs> and so instead of doing the whole band show, we just did the turret. Now I was talking to the operator, and he says, "You'll get a you'll get a couple about seventy five years old coming to see the carousel, and they'll look up and they'll see that, and one will nudge the other one, and they'll start giggling. And it's just it's, it's finding those little secrets you can put on there. That you know, first first they one will see it, and then the other one. You got to wait. It's going around. No, there it is, right there. And they'll <laughs> you know, it's putting little things on there. And the old carousel did that too. 
There'd be silly things like um, a man sitting on a park bench with a chimpanzee smoking a cigarette. And all it was was, the whole idea of it was, the carousel's going around three and a half revolutions a minute. People are standing in line getting bored. One person will see it. Now it'll take two or three revolutions for the next person to actually see it. And then they're going to tell somebody else. So all of a sudden that wait in line is not so long. They did one with P.T. Barnum when he lived in Bridgeport used to, um, every once in a while when he got the, when the mood was right, he'd harness up two of his elephants when he knew the train was coming from Boston to New York and he'd start plowing a field with it. And they've got a picture of two elephants plowing a field. But it was that same thing. They got pictures of girls, you know, dancing and people swimming and, you know, things like this. And all of a sudden there's two elephants plowing a field. <laughs> and it's just, it's that thing that while you're standing there waiting in line, it's going past you and it's something to see. And what we normally do on them, we use the paintings to theme it to the city. They'll do historic areas or new things or, you know, a combination of both. Matter of fact, the one in Des Moines, they did so much of it, it ends up being the historic, the historic carousel of Des Moines. That's essentially how they named it, just because it had, you know, it had corn farmers and, or wheat farmers, I'm sorry. Like Can't a museum say. you can ride on? Yep, yeah. But you can, you can teach people things that way. You know, we've, we're looking at one, we're doing a couple... We got a couple of bids in for one for science museums, and they're going to go along. We're going to we're going to make up a, essentially a book that people can come. We'll have one for grade school kids and one for high school kids. And there's a lot of engineering and geometry that has to do with carousels. You know, if you're doing this many revolutions, if the if the motor's running 1,500 revolutions a minute, and the carousel's going around 300 or three and a half revolutions a minute, what's the gear ratio in it? And if the outside is the outside radius on the, the, the outside horse is 32 feet and it's going around three and a half revolutions a minute, how many miles an hour it's going. You can, you can lay the formula in there and figure out the math for it. And there's, there's gravity loads and sine waves and all kinds of things we can do because it's just a way to teach people things, honestly. But so when classes come into the science center during the springtime, they have, they have a way of using it just to teach somebody something. Matter of fact, in Mansfield, they're doing a thing with the Smithsonian about ways of teaching um, the arts to kids. And they're using carousel as the, the basis for it. So we got to think of a lot more things now. <laughs> so building a carousel is just as much a science as it is an art. No, it's not a science. Um, if you do something that's different, whether you're a writer or you're an interviewer, and you do it with a lot of passion, and you do it different than everybody else does, you're an artist. Um, a lot of what we do with the crafts, I hire crafts people. I don't hire artists. I hire painters. What we do when we do a carousel, like the one we're opening in Stanford, is completely different. It's open. It's, there's very few paintings on it. Matter of fact, the only painting on it is a big, a big graphic of the river that's done in mosaics. And it's, so that's the, the, the finished carousel of the artwork, like that, that horse I was just talking about. And, you know, you're not an artist. You, you come in here and you work every day. And we do something co totally different than the norm. Then that's art. And I'm very, that my, my other problem I have, whatever, I'm very proud about being a craftsman. I have a craft shop. That's what I have. Now we can take that craft shop and we can do some spectacular things that people think, think of as art. But it's no different than a writer or, a, you know, a house painter. There's house painters who do stuff so nice that that is art. And it's just a matter of how you look at it. You know, the business people, they, you, you call them up on the phone and they get everything you want right when you wanted it and you go away being happy. That's an artist because <laughs> that's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. But we have, you know, we deal with, we deal with engineers. We, we put carousels on, on cruise ships. We have three carousels on cruise ships. And a carousel is hung by a, a, 
the whole thing is suspended by one bearing on top of the pole, 20 feet in the air. Now all of a sudden we've got a cruise ship that's moving back and forth. So we, we had to put isolators on the, on the floor so it ran around the circle. So essentially what we got is like a, a three inch pipe with roller coaster wheels keeping the inside from floating back and forth. Now it's on a ship, if it tips too far, the carousel gonna move. So we had to build, essentially we built ice, sound isolating sneakers for the feet of the carousel that are welded down to the floor. So it doesn't, the other problem with the, with the ship is it's all metal. So any sound transmits everywhere. So instead of just welding the thing down, we built these sneakers with, with rubber on the inside of it that the carousel sits in. But it was coming across all these things, but. You know, the engineers who are designing a ship have to worry about piping and stairs and floors and elevators and kitchens. And all we have to worry about is the carousel and those slices of the pie. Once you decide it's going to be 12 slices, they're all exactly the same. So my engineering gets really easy. Mm -hmm. That's all I need to really know. It's, it's nice being me. I don't have to know everything <laughs> else. And we have an engineer in, matter of fact, he's in Las Vegas. And we send everything out to them. They look at all the designs and then they certify them usually things I've done and they're, they're, they're actually bugging me to make it, I don't have to make it that big or I don't have to make it that strong. And I think, no, it's fine the way that, okay. You know, it's, it's, it's a constant struggle of what you, you know, doing. And I don't want to go back to the old way of this is, this is number 342 and this is how we do it. And you can pick the colors out. We, we try to change everything all the time. I'm never happy with what we're doing. Well, in today's world of like individualism and customizing, being able to be that flexible means a lot to people. It's being flexible, but still, but still being able to essentially mass produce it. Mm -hmm. And that's what craftsmanship is. It's, it's not doing everything perfect every time. It's doing it. The way I tell people when they come in here is it's 80% of perfect. And 80% of perfect on, on say, a, like a figure will take you three weeks. 100% perfect will take you three months. It's that last 20%. And it's, it's understanding the difference between where you add value and where you don't add value. We use a duplicating machine to get the figures roughed out once we get them the way we want, which is exactly like taking a big square block of wood if you're going to make a chair leg and cutting it out on a bandsaw. We just do it in three dimensions. But the part that's going to add value to it, we leave enough wood there so that we can carve into that. So we can spend a lot more time doing the really fancy things than taking a big square block of wood and hacking away at it for a week. It makes it, makes it cheaper for the people. Doing, doing figures totally by hand would cost, our patterns cost anywhere from twenty to $40,000 just in time of one person carving them. We can take that same pattern, take it apart, put it on the duplicator, make two or four of them at a time, and they sell, they'll sell for like five or $6,000. So now all of a sudden, the economics of it, and I can make every one of them different. I can make every one of them exactly the way that people want them. It's, it's not a monument to European craftsmanship. It's a monument to American mass production back in the you know, 1900s, 1800s. That's how things were done. But I can make every carousel. If, if, you're, you know, if you like me, no matter what I do, it's always going to look like the other one. And if you do like me, then all are all different because they're looking at the things to be different. And it's just that same thing. You know, it's a strange situation to be in. But I found that as long as my customers like me, I don't really worry <laughs> about everything else. You've also done some restorations in the past, and you showed me a little earlier that yeah. you're doing a restoration mm -hmm. now. How is doing a restoration different from creating your own carousel from scratch? Well, we started doing restorations because they were available. Most of the restorations were done by graphic artists, and they weren't done by woodworkers. And the average, when we started, the average carousel restoration would lose five to ten legs, would break five to ten legs a year. It had to be repaired because they didn't understand when you, you can't just strip the thing down and put some auto body filler in it and then repaint it. it looks beautiful when it goes out but then the wood always moves it either expanding or contracting you have to have adhesive in it. you have to take the thing apart and re-glue it 
we haven't lost five legs in 32 years on 60 new carousels and 14 restorations. We're woodworkers. I understand. We spend a lot of time experimenting on broken legs, hanging things from them, jumping up and down, kicking them, because that's what's going to happen to them. They're going to, you know, it's like building, it's not building a phone that's going to be, you know, used three times a day. It's a phone booth. It's going to be, people are going to try to destroy you know, they're going to they're gonna stick ice cream cones in the ears. They're going to kick the legs. They're going to stand up and down on the legs. And it's just, it has to be strong enough to hold that. You know, it's form following function. It's nice to make it beautiful, but we have to make it beautiful on time and be able to hold up. Like on a cruise ship, we got it floating around the Caribbean under a tent. So you took what you, for you, the restoration is a learning experience. Yeah, it was a, now in the last, in the last four or five years, it was more of a thank you it was a good it was a good entry level position you spend you spend a winter restoring a whole carousel you start understanding woodworking without having to worry about starting from square blocks of wood you understand how the carousels went together how they got glued together how they fell apart what was wrong with them why this one's got dents in it and this one had all the legs are still fine and you can see what happens to it it was good for that but now it's at a point where we're focused more on what we can do new uh, the Carousel Works was part of something called the Guild of Master Craftsmen. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about what that means? It's a group. It's a group in um, England. The old craft, how, how craft system worked was you'd start out as an apprentice. Instead of going to finishing school or anything else, you'd go to, you'd be apprenticed to a, a carving shop, a master. And at 12 or 13 years old, your responsibilities was sweep up, carry water, do everything nobody else wants to do. But while you're doing that, you're watching what the other people are doing. So you start slowly but surely, you start understanding, you know, when they do, after they, after they cut this thing out, they bring it over here and they don't glue it until they do this to it. And then they do that. And you do that for a year or two until you just been driving that. Then you get another apprentice. Then you, you go up a notch. Then you start doing the rougher job. You, you start, they give you a leg to work on. They had one, one guy told me he, he, when he started out as an apprentice, at lunch, everybody would be eating an apple. And you took your knife, you had your jackknife, and if you couldn't peel the apple, you couldn't eat with it. When you could take the apple from the top and peel it so the string was all like three quarters of an inch wide, and so when it was done, the apple looked round, and he could do it all in one peel, then he could start carving. Never told him that, and he did that for two years. And then he finally got it to where it went around, and everybody had a big celebration. He, didn't, he never knew that was his <laughs> final exam to, to progress. But I've, I've collected stories like that. As many as I could ever find. So that kind of brings me to my next point. A hundred years ago, everything was done completely by hand. And today, you showed me some of the machines that you can do, or multiple carousel figures at once. No, at least they had those. I'm up by anything you see that, that's got more than two of them was done on a duplicate. We had a duplicator here that I bought. I bought from the, the wife of the man who was the woodcarver at Mystic Seaport in Connecticut. It's a museum, mm-hmm. but it's an old town. And they've got old ships, old whaling ships and other things in there. But they had a woodcarver that did the figureheads and things like that, the eagles and figureheads. He had a carving duplicator that went up against the wall. So instead of like ours, we use gravity. This one was standing up against the wall with a great big wheel that would run off of a, an overhead shaft or, a, you know, this was before electric motors. But the patent date on it was 1865. And they've been using them since then. So you, you go into an old mansion, you see all these carvings. They were usually roughed out on a duplicator. It's nothing new. All oh. the old carousel figures were done like that. The Denzel factory had seven carvers, and they built between six and eight carousels a year. So you didn't have a man taking a block of wood and banging away. But that's why you can tell a Denzel figure. They were all done in a certain style. 
Wow, I didn't know that. And every, that's what everybody, well, they didn't start using those to the depression. No, no. Mm-hmm. And they were working men. Well, there were masters and their apprentices. Yeah, in Europe, there were ma- and there are masters and apprentices here too. But at the time, back in the 20s and the 30s, there was such a glut of immigrants. There were people, this man I was talking about who moved to Vermont, he, it took him two years to get a carving job because there were so many carvers out there. He used to have to, he just made his rounds every week to the carver looking for somebody, and he finally got a job. But there were hobo carvers, and they had no home, and there was a, there was a furniture and carving mecca in New, in Buffalo, New York, one in Philadelphia, and one in New York. And these guys would float in between them. And I talked to one of the men from um, Buffalo, and his grandfather was a carver for one of the furniture companies. But he'd tell people about hobo carvers, and it's no, that's by Mayo. You know, you just bought you know an eighty thousand dollar horse. He could have been built carved by a hobo. Okay. <laughs> so even as technologies probably not changed as much as we've been led to believe. In today's world, the attractions industry is all about build it higher, build it faster, Mm -hmm. make it a wow factor. Where do you see carousels going in the future when you look at this trend? We're going back to the past. We're literally going back to the past. How the Holly Mueller Park business started was the trolley systems in each town had lots of customers on Monday through Friday. No customers on the weekend. But it was a time when there was there was no air conditioning. Restaurants wouldn't open. They wouldn't be open in the summer because it was too hot to sit in there and eat. So what the trolley companies smartly did was they'd buy a picnic grove by a river or by a lake, run a spur out there, and the whole weekend they would have trolleys going back and forth between the center of town or the you know the, their normal routes down to the park. You have a nice shady grove and people would picnic there and just hang out. And then when they did that, well, let's put in a band shell, you know, where they can have dances at night. And it kept developing. Well, then we just saw this thing called a roller coaster. And that's how, that was the start of the amusement park. And every town has one if you dig deep enough. Matter of fact, we had a man in um, Austin, Texas who wanted to put a carousel. He wanted to buy a carousel and put it in as a concession in the city park. And they told him, we're not having amusement park rides in our park. Come to find out. That's how that park started. A guy came to town with a merry-go-round and set it up there. That's how the park was there. When he died, he, he granted the land to the to the town. But you can find one in every town. There's one here in Mansfield. Cedar Point was one. Mm-hmm. Seabreeze Park in Rochester was another. Every but every t- small town had a had a little trolley park because it was it was something to do with the trolleys on the weekend. So what we're doing now is we're finding like this one in Des Moines. You have parks and where the park and recs. What can we do to bring people into the park? And that's what we do. You know, we, we become an anchor that you can build you can build an area around. There's something to do down there. And so you go down, you do that, and then you hang out while we're here. Matter of fact, we found one group, Washington Park in Hartford, at their gift shop, instead of selling porcelain figures, they had a few of those, but what they sold was they sold Frisbees with Bushnell Park carousel on it and kites. Family would go there, and the kid, they'd, they'd, set, they'd buy the Frisbee, and then they'd go out into the, the park, and they'd play with it. So they're there all afternoon. They're there all day flying a kite or doing something else. You've told me already so many wonderful stories and your experiences with this business, but is there any one carousel or any one... Oh, my favorite carousel? Yeah, the next one. The next one? Yeah. And why is that? Because <laughs> I haven't built it yet. That's what everybody asks me. You know, I mean, I said, it, you know, 33 years, 30, 43 years I've been doing this. Your house must be full of pieces. And I don't have, I've got, I've got one carving sitting in my house right now. It's a shell that we did for a mold. It was one of those things that came out exactly to it was a copy. It literally is a, a 10 times copy of a small shell and it came out exactly right. It's just, I'm happy with that. But everything else is you, you do something and then you spend the rest of the time. Well, I should have, I should have done this or I, I should have done that. And I never, I didn't, I, I rushed on that part. It didn't work. So it drives you nuts. 
And you could do the same. If you had to read, you had to listen to your first two podcasts every day, every morning before you got up. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same thing. You know, so it's, it's, so I don't, I don't want to see them. If all I do is critique them, which is good, because mm-hmm. that's the only way you grow. If, if everything you do is perfect, it's time to start doing something else. Because nothing is perfect. I'm sorry, guys. You can say it any way you want, but <laughs> it's not going to be right. But I've got this idea for this next one we're going to do. I mean, we've got one. There's, there's a couple of things I keep trying to sell everybody. Our, our drive units that run them thing are, we can, be, can be put into a box about two feet by three and a half feet by probably 20 inches tall. We can hide the whole thing in there. Now what we can do on top of that is we can put another gearbox that comes out to the side and put a crank on it. And we can build a robot. That instead of the robot moving the thing, it's running backwards. But when you look at it, it looks like when the carousel starts, the light on the top of the robot goes out and he starts moving the crank. And there's going to be some kid who watches that thing and 80, he's going to be 80 years old. He's going to tell his grand, you know, when I was little, they had this carousel and the, there was this robot that used to make the thing work. And it would sit in there all day long and it'd be working. You know, just, just for that one reason, I'm never going to see it and I'm never going to hear it, but I know it's going to happen. Alrighty then, I think that about does it. Thank you very, very much for uh, spending your time with me and answering these questions. No, you're welcome. I would like to extend a sincere thank you to Art and the rest of the staff at Carousel Works, not only for allowing me to step in an interview, but also for allowing me to look around the shop and see how everything was made. To see some examples of their work and links to their Facebook pages, please visit carouselworks.com. I would also like to say thank you to Matthew Caulfield at worldlisterrolls.com for allowing me access to his library. If you are interested in old music machines, check out worldlitzerrolls.com to learn more about the manufacture and preservation of the old Wurlitzer band organ rolls. The website is worldlitzer.com. You can find links to these websites, as well as the podcast audio, videos, and photos at our website, ondisplaypodcast.com. You can keep in touch with us through our social media on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. If you enjoyed listening to On Display Podcast, please consider helping us out by leaving us a review on iTunes. Your constructive criticism is important to us so that we can continue to improve the show. If you don't have an iTunes account, you can also leave reviews for us on our YouTube page and our SoundCloud feeds. Or you can email us directly at ondisplaypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for joining me today. This is your host, Nicole, and I look forward to seeing you again next time.